0: Welcome to The Sober Podcast, part of The Soberverse, created by the team at The Sober Network. The Sober Network is engaged in revolutionizing the treatment industry by creating its own token economy. We offer fresh ideas to an industry that has relied on dated interventions. We are responsive to a new generation of substance users who are attached to their phones so we can impact massive social change. Our unmatched technology displays solutions of our various brands, demonstrating a thorough understanding of how we get things done. We are proving that technology, along with incentivized human accountability, provides measurable and positive outcomes. Visit us at SoberNetwork.com.
1: Welcome to the Sober Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Brickhouse. And our Sober celebrity today is Caitlin Avery, who is an accomplished and award-winning author, um, mostly of novels, and we're going to talk about them. Thanks for joining us on the Sober Podcast. I'm excited to have you on the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here.
1: Great. Um, In your novels, uh, Life of Sin, The Last Cruise, and uh, Grief and Grace, you write about, quote, women whose lives are amiss and can't resist dangerous impulses. Now, where did the inspiration come from?
2: I got to write what I know. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there and done that and come through it. So I like to write
1: about it. Great. Is there a lot of... um, uh addiction, alcoholism, and recovery in, in your novels?
2: There's always a theme of that. It's not necessarily yeah. the main theme. My latest book, it is definitely one of What's the your main latest themes. book? The latest book is Life of Sin. That's this one here. And that's and C-Y-N. That's correct. It yes. stands for Cynthia. And um, she is dealing with early sobriety in the story, and that is really dictating her behavior um, for about the first half of the book her poor decisions are sort of because she's struggling in and out of sobriety essentially
1: yeah yeah cool and now but your your first book uh is a coming of age memoir lightning in my wires right
0: that's and, correct and,
1: uh so is that um tell us a little bit about that and how how you went from memoir to fiction
2: yeah, so that was my first book, and I wrote that after i had come out of another dumpster fire relationship, yeah. and when I started to think about what the common denominator was. It turned out to be me, and <laughs> so I know when
1: that happens.
2: I know, it's like so hard to deal with, but yeah, that's what I had to take a look at.
1: Uh-huh. I
2: was um 29 at the time. And I was hoping to find a stable and loving relationship at some point, so I set out to find Mrs. Wright in myself, yeah, uh, sort of to become the person I was hoping to find. And um, what happened along the way, I chronicled my experience, and I basically learned to love myself unconditionally um, as a first step in finding someone who would also love me unconditionally.
1: Oh, I love that. And were you already in recovery when you wrote that?
2: I was in a relapse at that time. I have been um, an early sober person three times. So I've had two relapses. I got sober very young at the age of 18. Right. Um, I managed to stay sober through college and through my 21st birthday. And then right towards the end of school, when I was getting ready to leave, I was kind of separating from my sober group of friends, getting ready to move, and um, decided that maybe it had been an immaturity issue, and maybe I should try it again. So I was back out at the time that I wrote the memoir.
1: Okay. And um, and then after the memoir, uh, the, then the next book was a novel. Um, right? That's correct. Yeah.
2: And And a big theme of that is the the women go down to, there's about three young women on a killer vacation in Mexico. And the killer refers to they cross paths with a drug cartel. One of the women, unbeknownst to her friends, is carting drugs to bring back across the border for uh, El Chapo, who is a big drug. Yeah.
1: Yeah, sure. Oh, wow. That sounds thrilling. Wow, I hope they make it into a movie or a series. Um, when so, were you sober when you wrote that? So I was sober. Right here, here, our bigger or easier question maybe is because um, I've interviewed um, a few authors on here and and artists, and and I like to hear about. Uh, and I'm a writer uh, about. Uh, writing what they're what they feel like their writing was like um, if they were writing sober and then um, after sobriety or after recovery Um,
2: so interestingly enough I I find it's not so much that my writing ability has changed so much but miraculously now in solid sobriety I have over eight years now and for whatever reason coincidentally this latest book has taken off much more successfully than my other two books did. And it has a lot to do with my presentation these days, how I'm sort of tying in my backstory to the presentation of this story, the, the novel. Um, but you know, I, I have to believe that maybe some of my success is linked to the fact that I'm much more clear-headed these days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And yeah. um have you always been a writer? I know you, I believe from, um, cause Caitlin and I met, um, in a, in a sober meeting and I, and I heard a lot of her story. So I know, so I do have some background information, but I know you, yeah. you worked as an actress, correct?
2: I was an actress for f- 15 years in Los Angeles as a SAG actress. Uh-huh. Um, I also attribute some of my, I I think that potentially I may have had more success if I was not out at that yeah. time. Um, you know, I did a lot of what I considered schmoozing in Los Angeles. Involved a lot of drinking and drugs, <laughs> so that didn't go that well.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, I worked as a book publicist for many years, and I, I, I was, I can, it was part of my job to schmooze people on expense account, you know, and and drink and drink. And I also schmooze my friends on expense account, but you know, yeah, I exactly. Hope, I hope my old employers aren't listening.
2: <laughs> right, right. I know. <laughs> So, I'm sorry, what was the original question that you just asked? Um, no, about
1: um, About how you're, oh, about being an act, working as an actress and before you were, or why you weren't, when you were not a writer, I suppose. Or
2: Oh, so I've been a writer since, as long as, like, li- talk, yeah. practically. I mean, I know, this is not a joke. I set out to write my first book when I was six. Uh, um, I, I had, I didn't have the stamina to finish it, but I had a story that I wanted to tell. I, it was like, I uh-huh. literally just learned how to write. And um, the, I started writing regular poetry when I was 10, and that was an outlet for me because I was not really able to healthily handle my emotions all yeah. through childhood. Um, so I wrote obsessively. Basically, I wrote almost every single night because I couldn't sleep because of the voices in my head. You know, not not crazy voices, but just I, I couldn't sleep. I, I couldn't put my thoughts to rest. And so I found that by getting them down on paper, it helped. Yeah. Um, so I, there's never been a time in my life that I haven't written. It's just Which
1: that it, why, just a quick interruption, because yeah. um, even if you're not a writer and don't intend to become a writer, uh, that is, you know, a lot of people are, it, it, that's a, a tip in recovery and in sobriety is to journal, you know, mm. is to write it down to get it out of your head and onto paper. Um, so anyway, go on.
2: So much healing has happened in my life. I, I I don't I can't assign a percentage, but I I would not be who I am if I hadn't been a writer. Yeah. Um, it really provided a lot of of healthy outlet in you know alternatives to some of the unhealthier outlets that I turn to at times.
1: Yeah. So was, was it ever on hiatus? Like during I mean, you've, you you wanted to be a writer from the from the day one almost. And and you wrote a lot like growing up. And then when you were an actress and also drinking and, and drugging, would, did the writing go away or what did it, did it? Was it a I didn't
2: have any formal goals at that time. But one of my absolute favorite things to do when I was an actress was I would write extensive bios of the character that I was prepping for any uh, role. Yeah. And I loved it. I would write as if it was a journal entry by that person. And I would cover everything from what I found funny, from what I, you know, what scared me, what made me um, excited in life, what, what my religious beliefs were, sexual beliefs, all of it. I would write it from the perspective of someone else.
1: Right, right. From the <laughs> character.
2: Yeah. And I really believe that's what gives me a, sort of an edge when it comes to character creation in my novels. Now, I, that's one of the things I feel like I have sort of the the strongest, I don't know, grip on. Yeah. Um, I still love it, though. I do it before every book, like the main characters I get inside the head of.
1: <clears throat> that's great. That's great. Because even if you're not using all that, and I'm sure you're not, um, on the page, it makes them that much more a stronger character and, and more believable and real because, you know, it, it, even though we may not see all of the backstory or you don't tell us to us, we can, you know, kind of discern it from because you've done the work. Uh,
2: it's coming so helpful lately because I my last book was supposedly a standalone, but. After readers got their hands on it, they wanted to know what happened next. I had never planned to write a sequel. Well, I'm I'm basically just finished the fourth draft of the sequel. And because it's been several years, I was able to go back and recall all the beginning of the story, like where those characters, you know, how they were developed early on mm-hmm. so that it was easier for me to carry them through to another story. I had all that written down still. So it was very helpful.
1: Great. Um, We're going to take just a quick break, and then I want to hear more about this latest book.
0: Hi, I'm Sonia, the founder of Everbloom. We help you change your relationship with alcohol through connection and conversation. We provide small group meetings where you can share your story and get the encouragement and support you need to achieve your goals. Whatever your goals are, we're a judgment-free space. You can find us at joineverbloom.com, B-L-U-M-E, and try us out with a free meeting.
1: And back to Caitlin. And so what, what's this? What, tell me again. I mean, I, I what's the latest novel? That's
0: okay. So the little latest little.
2: novel is called Life of Sin, spelled C-Y-N. It stands right, for Cynthia. And Cynthia, at the beginning of the story, learns that her husband's new boss is the guy who assaulted her in high school and she must choose between revenge and forgiveness while keeping it a secret from her husband.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And how, and where I know it's not uh sobriety and, and addiction is not the, uh, the, the plot of the novel, but you said it does, does it play a, a part in here? In this, It one?
2: plays an enormous part in her recovery in the yeah. story um basically the end of the story is very much related to the fact that she finally gets a handle on her sobriety and quite frankly on the 12 steps so that d- that definitely directs her throughout the story um yeah so this, the story is and very so
1: book is really taking off and uh, so much so that uh you've signed to 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 write a sequel
2: well, no, there's no sequel to this book. The sequel that I'm actually finishing up right now, <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, my, my last book. So this latest book is a standalone. Oh, okay.
1: This is the yeah. Standalone. Okay. Well, so the and last I've been
2: doing a lot of promos online on TikTok and Instagram, and it's really taken off. People have gotten really behind me because of my backstory and because oh. of sort of the motivation that for the reason I wrote the novel.
1: Yeah, great. And. Uh... Was it a um, a struggle to, um, for this, this last time that you got sober eight years ago, was it a, um, what was that like?
2: I would say that was a little bit easier than the time before. The time before happened about a year and a half before this most re- recent one. It didn't last all that long. I was fighting it tooth and nail. I can't say that I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't willing to embrace AA. And the reason for that was because I lived, breathed, ate, and slept AA when I was in college. I had all sober friends. I led meetings. I had a sponsor, sponsored people, you name it. Yeah. I did it all. I did all the steps. I was thoroughly involved. Now, for a time, I blamed or I didn't blame, but I didn't believe that AA had worked because I wound up drinking again. But it wasn't AA's fault. I left the program. That's yeah. why I wound up drinking again. <laughs> so when I was pressured to get sober again, that was, I guess, in twenty thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, came in very resistant to AA. I didn't want to take any of the advice. I planned to just go to meetings in the hopes that I would stay clear of alcohol.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but that's all I did. And I pretty quickly left again. I don't know. It was maybe six or eight months after I started. I left. I was still sober, but I had no defense against that first drink. And it happened sort of spontaneously. I didn't have any plan to drink, but I was at a gathering and I found myself alone in the room with the alcohol. And that's all it took. I started drinking again. So the the most recent time that I came back in, I knew it was coming. I knew I was coming to the end. I uh-huh. knew what the end game was and I knew I was gonna have to quit drinking one hundred percent forever. And I know a lot of people don't want to look at it that way, but I knew that's what the story was. Yeah. Um, my husband is sober and he was sober when we met. So he had put up with me for a long time.
1: And <laughs> put up with your, and with being sober. So that's and with being sober. That's love. Yeah, um, it was. In your bio, you say uh, you live outside of Boston with your husband, son, and the cat and dog who rescued you. Um, is that the dog who rescued you or the cat and dog who rescued you?
2: Both. All dog- of the above. All of okay. the above.
1: And how is that? How? how what do you mean by that?
2: Um, well, I jokingly refer to the word dog as God spelled backwards. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the unconditional love that I received from my pets, which I had first before I met my husband. Okay. Um, I experienced unconditional love from my animals. I've always had animals and they're super important to me. They remind me basically of, uh, the goodness in life. You know, I can always find joy in my dog and cat on a crappy day.
1: Oh, I love that. Um, so what do you do now, um, uh, to stay sober and what's part of your recovery
2: Well, I'm definitely involved in the program and I don't see that changing this time around. Um, A ton of my friendships are based in AA. I attend regular meetings. Um, I speak almost every single time that I'm at a meeting. I share my story whenever I'm asked. I sponsor people whenever I'm asked. I am sponsored by someone who has many, many years. Um, I'm so blessed that my husband is sober. So I always have someone around who is sober. Um, that's enormous. And, um, yeah, I can't see, I can't see my life without sobriety anymore. It it is infinitely better, infinitely improved. My mental health is much more easily handled, like managed when I'm sober. I I do have problems with depression and occasional anxiety. My MO is more so depression, Mm -hmm. but I've figured out that when I'm sober, I can see it much more clearly. I see it coming. Um, and it's much more easy to identify as depression when I'm down, it's no longer muddled by hangovers, which were daily,
1: which bring on depression.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's essential. I just, I pray that I, I never go back out again. I know it's a possibility.
1: Yeah. Um, And I know you're also um really athletic uh and into yoga. Does do you is that do you see that as helping your sobriety or at all? Oh, for
2: sure. I mean, that's one of the many tools that I have in my toolbox. Literally AA is just one of the big tools that I Mm -hmm. have to stay sane and sober. Um Sports have always been a fabulous outlet. Obviously, art in various ways. I'm I like to paint casually. I'm not a good painter, but I just like to fiddle around. Yeah, there's a
1: great painting on the wall behind you. It,
2: this That's is Boston. Cool. Yeah, this is one of my silly little. It's I'm down in the basement. This is not something I display in the main yeah.
1: house. Oh well, it's lovely. I I, I think it's great. Oh, is That the Charles River.
2: It is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. Exactly. So, and there's another one. Make ready for ducklings. You seen that?
1: Oh, cute.
2: That's in the, you know, Boston Common. Um, So I have so many outlets and I need every single one of them. It's kind of silly, like to maintain a semblance of like balance in my mental life.
1: Yeah.
2: I need a lot of tools. That's okay.
1: And uh, well, and then it's great that you have the tools, but then of course you have to use them and it sounds like you're using all of them. Um, What is the best lesson you've learned uh, in recovery and how did it help you?
2: I would say that I had some very hard lessons early on this time around. I had a very terrible, terrible first year. Mm. Um, my mother died of cancer
1: mm-hmm. while
2: I was in my first six, six months of sobriety.
1: Yeah,
2: um, she she really needed to be sober, and she was like one of my favorite drinking buddies. Uh-huh. So I attributed her cancer to some extent to her lifestyle of drinking every night.
1: Yeah. Um, what kind? If I may ask, what kind of cancer was it?
2: She had lung cancer, but not the kind of lung cancer that's affiliated with smoking.
1: Okay. And um, I was yeah. only asking because um, I, I know that uh, uh, it's been reported that um, uh, excessive drinking can can bring on breast cancer. Um,
2: so. I think there are about seven cancers that are linked to heavy drinking, and lung cancer is one of them. Yeah um but generally speaking the the first year was would have been an impossibility for me to survive i think if i hadn't had all of the tools and in particular aa because i was going to aa meetings and i would open up my mouth to talk and i would not even be able to get the words out it wow. was just like tears wow. and choking and you know just collapsing in front of a lot of strangers right but from the get-go, I was made to feel like that was totally okay.
1: Yeah,
2: and it wasn't okay in the grocery store. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was. It well, happened. I, it happened. Yeah, I didn't feel okay doing it there. I but felt no it one's okay.
1: Gonna, it's, it's probably there. No one's going to come up and give you a hug and and tell you their experience. <laughs> right.
2: Right. And so <laughs> basically, I, I had several things happen. My my cat of fourteen years died. Mm-hmm. Um about four months before my mother, two weeks before my mother died, my father almost died in an accident where he had a severe brain bleed. Um, And so it was utter chaos. I mean, I was literally having to dole out Oxycontin to both of them. Uh, Um, I I had to manage my mother's uh, um, morphine. Yeah. Okay. And and this was an early sobriety. Oh
1: my God. You poor thing.
2: Um, My brother, who is not, you know, it's questionable. I can't say for sure what his deal is. He generally seems to be able to handle his alcohol okay. But, you know, he was in the picture drinking very heavily during that time Mm -hmm. because it was hard to deal with um, what we were facing. And I couldn't. I couldn't turn to my favorite best friend that was wine, essentially.
1: Uh So
2: I had to find new friends in AA, and I had to talk to them a lot. I think I drove people crazy. I mean, I can't imagine what I, I've never seen anybody in a meeting who was like me in those early days, just the the ridiculous emotion that I was expressing. It was- well,
1: but I would say justified and I'm sure people realize that. But um, so you think that the biggest uh, the lesson you learned in sobriety was was um, connection, friends? To
2: share, to share. Don't to keep share. it in. Yes, oh. I'm sorry. I didn't get to the point. But yes, I spoke. Every single time I walked into a meeting and it was hard to talk, but I got it out. And what what I found was that I would leave that meeting feeling much lighter. And it didn't last for very long. Yeah. But it gave me enough relief to go back, repeat, on repeat. You know, I just knew that I was gonna actually have a moment or let's say an hour or two of relief, and it was worth it. It definitely. It it was my survival mechanism, really.
1: That's great. And of course, and you had your dog, the unconditional love of your dog, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and obviously, you know, I had I I, I wasn't really making super close friendships. I was a little bit standoffish because of my mental status was just in a bad place. So I can't say that I had tons of awesome connections, but I could feel the love. Even if I called them strangers, I knew that I was supported and I knew that people saw me and heard me and believed me. Um, And that was everything.
1: That's beautiful. Well, that is a great way to end our conversation and everybody, uh, check out Caitlin Avery's books and her latest novel is The Life of Sin, C-Y-N. And I assume you can get it on Amazon is the best place or any any other place?
2: Yeah, it's available everywhere. Books are sold.
1: All right. Love that. Uh, To all our listeners, thank you for your continued support. Visit us on www.soberpodcast.com and all places that you find major podcasts. Leave us a review. Sign up for a mailing list. You will also find the contact information in the show notes for Caitlin Avery um, and information about her books. I'm your host, Jamie Brickhouse, and you can find me every day on TikTok where I tell a true story in high heels, Jamie underscore Brickhouse. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. Signing out from Sober Podcast. Tune in for another show next week.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Sober Podcast. We hope that you have found this episode helpful and look forward to you joining us next time. As we continue to grow and implement positive change, we hope that you'll share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. They can find us on all the major podcast directories. If you have an idea for the show, want to leave positive feedback, ideas, or comments, connect with us on thesoberpodcast.com. You can also reach us on our social media platform on The Soberverse. We'd love to hear from you. A special thanks to all those who make this show happen Jamie Brickhouse, our host, Carrie, our producer, Carl Fessenden, our voice, and our sponsor, The Sober Network.